RTHK, the news at 11 with Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines, two people are killed in a three-vehicle pile-up near Tongchung. The Education Secretary says new guidelines for teachers are intended to protect them and the mainland sets out plans to protect people from COVID over the Lunar New Year holidays. Two people were killed and ten injured after a bus slammed into a stationary truck and a van in Tongchung this morning. The driver of the double-decker bus has been arrested. Violet Wong has more details. The accident happened at around 9 in the morning on Yutong Road near the Tongchung Eastern Interchange. Police said the truck and the van were parked on the inside lane of the highway as a six-member road crew did cleaning work when the number E36A long-wing bus rear-ended the lorry, smashing it into the other vehicle in front. The drivers of both the van and the truck were killed, and all three vehicles were seriously damaged. Four of the road cleaners and six bus passengers were injured, although most of them suffered only mild abrasions. Chief Inspector Lau Kemban was asked if signs had been put up to notify drivers that work on the road was taking place. We did not find any signs on the ground showing that work was going on, but we found some at the back of a vehicle. We are still investigating whether there were signs at the time of the accident. The 28-year-old bus driver has been arrested on suspicion of dangerous driving causing death. Education Minister Christine Choi says the new set of rules on teachers' conduct are intended to protect them and maintain professionalism. Her bureau yesterday listed what teachers should and shouldn't do, saying they should protect national security, social order and the public interest and should not choose teaching materials that instill biased views in their pupils. Under the new guidelines, teachers can be struck off for life for severe misconduct. Ms Choi said some people working in education wanted such a code of conduct. Mainland authorities have set out urgent plans to protect rural communities from COVID-19 ahead of an expected surge in domestic travel in the run-up to the Lunar New Year holidays next month. Cecil Wong has details. Rural areas are expected to be inundated with travellers returning to their hometowns and villages for the first time in years as authorities ease travel curbs. To mitigate risks, the National Health Commission says it's ramping up vaccinations in rural areas while building up stocks of ventilators, essential drugs and test kits at the same time. It's also advising travelers to reduce contact with elderly relatives. While international borders remain largely shut, recent decisions by the authorities to abandon testing prior to domestic travel and disable apps that tracked people's journey history have freed up people to move around the country. Multiple cities across the mainland also opened new vaccination sites to encourage the public to take booster shots, according to the Global Times newspaper. Meantime, health authorities confirmed another 2,091 new locally transmitted COVID cases across the mainland, more than half of them in Guangdong. Figures of asymptomatic infections are no longer given. And authorities in Macau have announced that international arrivals, along with travelers from Hong Kong and Taiwan, can isolate at home for five days instead of in a mandated hotel, as authorities in the world's biggest gambling hub begin to unwind its COVID-19 rules. Here in Hong Kong, health officials have reported 15,726 new COVID infections, including 823 imported cases. 32 more patients with COVID have died. The President of the Legislative Council, Andrew Leung, says lawmakers are on the same team as government officials, but stressed the Council isn't rubber-stamping everything put before it. Mr Leung says the anti-chamber meetings introduced by Chief Executive John Lee have allowed officials to be more down-to-earth in formulating policy. 
the legislator are not playing against the government. Likewise, the government is not seeing the legislator as the enemies. We are the same team. So the more exchanges and more understanding between us, the better. We are the same team. We need to work together to make sure the legislative process is smooth. Smooth doesn't mean rubber stamp. To the weather forecast, becoming quite cold and it'll be cloudy with one or two rain patches. Temperatures in town will fall from about 15 degrees at first to around 10 degrees tomorrow night and a few degrees lower in the new territories, becoming fine and dry later. The outlook temperatures will fall to around 8 or 9 degrees in town on Sunday and Monday and a few degrees even lower in the new territories. Currently, the observatory 16 degrees, humidity at 92%. Please be advised the cold weather warning and strong monsoon signal are both currently in force. You're listening to RTHK. The time's exactly five minutes past 11. China will focus on stabilising its economy next year and step up policy adjustments to ensure key economic targets are hit. That's according to a statement issued after the annual meeting of the Central Economic Work Conference. Here's Mike Weeks. The closed-door two-day meeting convened to chart the economy's course in 2023 has been closely watched amid expectations that Beijing would ramp up support measures. The world's second-largest economy faces multiple economic headwinds due to the COVID pandemic and a weakening global economy. The statement issued after the agenda-setting meeting of leaders and policymakers said China will implement a proactive fiscal policy and a prudent monetary policy next year, prioritising stability and striving for progress. Fiscal policy will be stepped up and become more efficient, it said, maintaining the necessary intensity of spending, while monetary policy will be precise and forceful, keeping liquidity reasonably ample. Steps will be taken to expand domestic demand, it added, prioritising consumption recovery and achieving major economic targets next year. The mainland economy grew just 3% in the first three quarters of this year and is expected to stay around that rate for the full year, well below the official target. Although key economic targets were expected to be endorsed at the meeting, they will not be announced publicly until the annual meeting of the National People's Congress in March. The statement said the top leaders also reiterated that China will stick to its principle of homes are for living in, not for speculation, and pledged to support strong housing demand. Hong Kong's unemployment rate has dropped to 3.7% as anti-epidemic measures were relaxed. Official figures show the jobless rate for the September to November period was 0.1 of a percentage point down from the August to October period. Underemployment also fell by 0.1 of a percentage point to 1.6%. Turning overseas, a landslide that engulfed a campsite not far from the Malaysian capital Kuala Lumpur has killed at least 21 people, including four children. About 12 people are missing. More from the BBC's Jonathan Head. Campers have described hearing a loud rumble in the early hours of the morning, right before a torrent of earth and rocks came down on their tents. Search and rescue teams were able to get to the campsite quickly and start digging to try to find survivors. Aerial photographs show a wide swathe of brown earth cutting through the trees down a steep slope above the campsite, which is in the Genting Highlands, a popular resort area close to the capital Kuala Lumpur. 
Japan has approved a major defense policy overhaul that includes a massive hike in spending as it warned that China poses the greatest strategic challenge ever to its security. In response, the foreign ministry urged Tokyo to reflect on its policies, saying its stance discredits China. Cecil Wong has more details. In its largest defense shakeup in decades, Japan vowed to up security spending to 2% of GDP by 2027, up from around 1% at present. It will reshape its military command and acquire new missiles that can strike far-flung enemy launch sites. The moves are outlined in three defense and security documents approved by the cabinet. They describe Beijing as the greatest strategic challenge ever to securing the peace and stability of Japan, as well as a serious concern for the country and the international community. The additional defense budget will fund projects including the acquisition of what Japan calls counter-strike capacity, the ability to hit launch sites that threaten the country. However, the authorities also ruled out preemptive strikes and insist Japan is committed to an exclusively defense-oriented policy. Among the documents is the National Security Strategy, which is being updated for the first time since it was launched in 2013. Its language on relations with China has hardened significantly. The document previously said Japan was seeking a mutually beneficial strategic partnership with Beijing, a phrase that has now disappeared. Instead, it suggests a constructive and stable relationship and better communication. In response, Foreign Ministry spokesman Wang Wenbin urged Japan to reflect on its policies. Japan disregards the facts, deviates from the common understanding between China and Japan, and its commitments to bilateral relations and discredits China, he said. A huge aquarium in the lobby of a hotel in the German capital Berlin has burst. Police say there's been unbelievable maritime damage. From Berlin, here's the BBC's Jenny Hill. It's not yet clear what caused the 16-metre-high aquarium to burst early this morning. The glass tank, which contained a million litres of water and 1,500 tropical fish, appears to have suddenly shattered, sending glass and metal flying across the hotel lobby and destroying part of the building's facade. Water poured onto the street outside, which was also scattered with debris. Two people were injured, and shocked guests had been moved out of the hotel. Emergency workers used sniffer dogs to search the ground floor for any other victims. An Australian nurse who was the sole survivor of a Second World War massacre by Japanese troops will become the first woman and the first nurse to be recognised with a statue at the country's war memorial. Vivian Bullwinkle and 21 other nurses were among those who escaped to Indonesia's Bangka Island in 1942. In peacetime, she went on to revolutionise nursing in Australia. The American space agency NASA has launched a mission to undertake the first survey of all of the Earth's surface waters from space. A rocket carrying a satellite has just blasted off from the Vandenberg Space Base in California. Data gathered will be used to improve weather and climate predictions. This report from the BBC's Jonathan Amos. The billion-dollar surface water and ocean topography mission carries a radar instrument to image the shape of Earth's water surfaces. Scientists will use it to track the rise and fall of millions of rivers and lakes. A British team will check SWAT's data is reliable by comparing its measurements to those made by sensors placed in the Bristol Channel, which is one of the largest tidal ranges in the world. NASA says many developing countries have next to no idea how much water is flowing through their rivers or is held in their lakes. 
To sports, where UEFA and FIFA have received significant backing in their effort to block the formation of a European Super League. In a report released by the European Court of Justice, its Advocate General said the rules of football's European and world governing bodies were compatible with EU competition law. It's been claimed that UEFA and FIFA were breaking competition law by threatening to sanction clubs and players who joined the breakaway Super League. The BBC's Simon Stone says it's a big win for UEFA. The Advocate General has said that UEFA and FIFA were within their rights to issue these threats, that they are entitled to do that in order to uphold what they see as their reason for being and trying to create a, a stable environment for football and distribute money. This is viewed as a huge win for UEFA, who've said it is unequivocal. The European Clubs Association have said that it's a clear rejection of the efforts of a few to undermine the foundations and historical heritage of European football for the many. The Polish referee Simon Marciniak has been appointed to take charge of Sunday's World Cup final between France and Argentina. The 41-year-old has already officiated in matches involving both teams at the tournament. Sunday's final will be the last World Cup match for Argentina captain Lionel Messi. The 35-year-old is seeking his first world football crown and a third title for his country, while a win for France would see them lift the trophy for a third time. Our football commentator Chris K.L.L.O.W. says Argentina have to find a way to overcome France's star-studded lineup. Argentina's team and fans have a sense that Messi winning the final is in their destiny. The stars of the line that no one can stop them except maybe Hugo Lloris. Everyone's been talking about how to stop France's Kylian Mbappe and Olivier Giroud. But the key for Argentina is to stop Anton Griezmann. Griezmann has swapped his role from striker to midfielder and leads the tournament with assists. Argentina's midfielders Enzo Fernandez and Leandro Perendez will need to shut Griezmann down in their midfield battle. Griezmann's been everywhere in attack and defence. Damien Martinez, the Argentina goalkeeper, is physically imposing and could be key in stopping the French attack. Morocco's historic run was brought to an end in the semi-finals, but the Atlas Lions still have one more match to play in Qatar, the third-place playoff against Croatia. Morocco became the first African side and the first Arab nation to reach the last four of the competition, but were beaten by the reigning champions France on Wednesday. African football expert Mark Gleeson says the performance by Walid Regragui's side in Qatar could have enormous impact on the game in Africa. Extraordinary achievement and I think a really wonderful tournament for Africa. Groundbreaking, historic. I think it will give the continent such a buzz. I think it will give the continent such confidence. Nine and a half teams at the next World Cup, all of them will go there believing that they could do something similar. I think it is a game changer for African football. Really been an extraordinary three weeks. And a reminder of our top stories tonight. Two people are killed in a three-vehicle pile-up near Tung Chung. The Education Secretary says new guidelines for teachers are intended to protect them. And the mainland sets out plans to protect people from COVID over the Lunar New Year holidays. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 Shades of night are falling It's twilight time Out of the mist Your voice is calling Tis twilight time When purple colored curtains Mark the end of day I'll hear you 
my dear, at twilight time. And here in Hong Kong, it is almost the end of day. We've got about 45 minutes left of Friday, and then we're into our weekend. Thanks ever so much for tuning into Twilight Time, Mondays to Fridays through till midnight with me, Peter King. As usual, a good old mix for you tonight. And the first song on the turntable for you is it from Etta James. Together, There's no sun up in the sky, stormy weather. Since my man and I ain't together, keeps raining all of the time. Oh yeah, life is bad. And I just can't get my poor self together Stay as sweet as you are 
Don't let a soul try to rearrange you Don't ever lose all the charm you possess 